Pastor Xavier Reese and the mighty power of God. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain, my anger, and great hailstorm in fury to consume it. Wow. He's the one in control. He's the one bringing judgment. They would then know that what? He was the Lord Yahweh. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. From politicians to friends, there's little tolerance for those who deceive. But what happens when God's own people lead others astray? Today, Pastor Xavier explores this dilemma in today's Bible study, Woe to the False Prophet. Let's listen. There's probably no stronger warning or rebuke in Scripture than that to false prophets. Those who purposely deceive the people of God and people who are seeking God. Uh, There's an entire chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 13 that gives the means and the steps by which to find out, certify that's a false prophet, and then if it's true and you search it out and you haven't jumped the gun, then they were to stone him. God did not think light of people who corrupted his word. Now, in no way am I suggesting that we should stone people today. Though it probably wouldn't hurt, but I'm not suggesting it. Um, And so what we have here in chapter 13 is the prophetic judgment against the false prophets. Let me read our text and I'll divide it up. It's very clear, very straightforward, very simple. He says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have not have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps to build the walls for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus saith the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision, and have you not spoken false divinations? You say, the Lord says, but I've not spoken. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Because indeed, because they uh, have seduced my people, saying peace when there is no peace, and one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding rains, and you, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, where is the mortar? With which you plastered it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger, and great hailstones in fury to consume it. So I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground, so that the foundation will be uncovered. It will fall, and you will be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall. 
and on those who have plastered it with untempered mortar, and I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor who plaster it. That is, the prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace uh, for her when there is no peace, says the Lord God. Likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart, uh, prophesy against them. And say, thus saith the Lord God, woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for their heads and the people of every hive to hunt souls. You will hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? And will you profane my, uh, me among the people that uh, for a handful of barley and a piece of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live? While you're lying to my people who listen to lies? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls. They're like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go, the souls you think or you hunt like birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall no longer be as prey in your hand. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. And you have strengthened the hand of the wicked so that he does not turn from his wicked ways to save his life. Therefore, you shall no longer envision futility nor practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The prophetic judgment against the false prophet is characterized by the following. First, verse 1 through 7, the prophecy against the false prophets. Secondly, verse 8 through 9, the judgment against the false prophets. And then in verses 17 through 23, we're going to put the women's together because it's so short. You have the prophecy and judgment against the false prophetess. A very serious chapter. One that is not to be taken lightly. Sometimes we read the book of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and some of these things, and we forget the backdrop, the pressure, the time, the the devastation, what was going on, and the courage of these men uh, to stand. But God calls us for the same courage today. We are finding ourselves in America into the same position just about, from the legal aspects and everything else, and we need to put that side by side as we look at this. Let's begin here with the prophecy against the false prophets, verse 1 through 7. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the command came to Ezekiel to prophesy to the false prophets. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Here again, the prophecies of judgment. This is the 12th time that it appears. Ezekiel wants you to know constantly the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me. It wasn't his words. Ezekiel's the mouthpiece for God. Declare judgment, and judgment would not be postponed anymore, even as the last section of the previous chapter in verse 28 says. They were saying, ah, it's not for our time. It's for long ago. These guys, the visions have failed. No, 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 no. Today, people in America say, ah, we're okay. We're okay. We're okay. No, we're not okay. And and a band-aid is being put on the national condition of our nation when it needs surgery. Look at verse 2. The prophet is commanded to direct himself to the prophets of Israel. Men who had spoken deceitfully in the name of Yahweh. The charges in this, we're going to see, the matter is not light. Ezekiel uh, is addressed as son of man once again, declaring his, uh, his humanness, his frailty, his flawness, just like any other man, but yet yielding to God, God used him because he's serving the Lord. It's always a choice. Ezekiel, again, here, is to declare the wor- his words against the prophets of Israel. Notice it's very specific, who prophesy of their own hearts. There's the key. 
those who were not inspired by the Spirit of God to reveal his mind. Those who were proclaiming their own ideas and desires fraudulently, presenting them as the words of God. This is not a light matter. When someone steals your identity, it's horrible. But when someone declares to speak for God and God's not speaking through them, woe to him. Notice still in verse 2, Ezekiel was commanded to confront them and declare to them, hear the words of the Lord. Difficult. Confrontation. Most people don't like confrontation. <laughs> we evade it. We're like a river meandering. You know why a river meanders? It's seeking the softest route. Anything hard? I don't want to go there. And it goes around it. It's seeking for the softest soil. And the majority of people don't like to confront. They just ignore it. They go the other way. As you know, Micaiah opposed the prophets of Ahab in 1 Kings 22 when they were all saying, oh yeah, go up and conquer. He said, well, you have another prophet here. Well, Micaiah, he's always prophesying evil, bad of me. Ah, bring him out. So the prophet goes, hey, Micaiah, now listen, everybody's saying go, don't, don't mess up. Ah, all right. And he says, ah, go ahead, go ahead and conquer. He says, I, I told you not to lie to me. He says, Israel's going to get wiped out. He says, you put him in jail, feed him bread and water. He says, if, if you come back, I'm not a prophet. Guess what? He didn't come back. Micaiah, he stood against all the false prophets. These men were courageous. Notice verse 3 through 7, the charges were given to Ezekiel to prophesy against the false prophets. The charges are proclaimed in verse 3. Uh, the authority behind the charges, notice, is Yahweh's, thus saith the Lord God. This was not out of Ezekiel's heart of vengeance or his own words. These are directly from heaven. The person charged are identified for us so that we... Don't get mistaken here who it is. He says, woe to the foolish prophets. The woe stands for condemnation. I've told you often, when you read woe in the Bible, it's not because of somebody's riding a horse. It's because it's judgment that's coming, okay? We find it again later on in chapter 34, verse 2, when he says, woe to the shepherds who feed themselves and not the people. The expression foolish prophets... It's a play on words dealing with a moral problem, not an intellectual one, being spiritually insensitive. You remember the husband of Abigail? His name was Nabal. That's the same word, fool. That's what these prophets were. Notice the charges are serious, who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. They are of human origin. They have seen nothing of divine origin. It is not a light matter for people to say, the Lord told me or the Lord showed me. We'll get into that a little bit as we move along. Notice the characteristics of these false prophets are proclaimed to Ezekiel in verse 4 and 5. In verse 4, Israel's false prophets were like foxes in the desert among the ruins, seeking accommodation for themselves and neither care for the people and, uh, or the nation, uh, being unproductive and destructive they were out for themselves. In verse 5, they failed to repair the wall and prepare the people for the difficult times ahead to stand in the battle of the day of the Lord, but rather gave false security, leaving them defenseless. They were in it for themselves. They were given to the people what the people wanted to hear, making them more vulnerable. Look at verse 6 and 7, the source of the message of the false prophet was cultic. They had envisioned futility. The word means vanity, emptiness. They were blind leading the blind. 
They had used every form of, of the practices of the pagan to detect the future being deceptive and dangerous. The use of witchcraft and other pagan occultist practices, as you know, were absolutely forbidden in Scripture. Exodus 22:18, Numbers 23:23, Deuteronomy 18:10 through 11, and many, many other passages. It's forbidden because you're seeking another spirit apart from God. Notice they use spiritual formulas saying, Thus saith the Lord. Wow, that authenticates it, huh? They were imposters. The Lord had not sent them. They were confronted by Yahweh directly. This was no longer Ezekiel. This is no longer Jeremiah. This is God directly to them. And so he asked them a rhetorical question. God himself. Have you not seen a futile vision? Have you not spoken false divination? Busted. He rebuked them for their deception of the people. You say the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Wow. This is severe. In 1978, as you know, the world witnessed the murder of U.S. Representative Leo J. Ryan of California and other members of his party by the members of the People's Temple cult of Jamestown, Guyana, as they went to investigate uh, the uh, reports that some people were being held against their will. Later that day, 780 individuals of the community, men, women, and children, drank a Kool-Aid cyanide mixture in order to commit suicide, according to the orders of the cult leader Jim Jones. There are thousands of cults like that existing today, and probably as dangerous, if not more. That's how big deception is in America. Those who teach the integration of psychology and the scriptures do so at the cost of the scriptures. Those who teach the health and wealth doctrine, faith and faith, seed faith, and all their little formulas, they're the only ones laughing all the way to the bank not the people. Those who would merchandise you financially by begging, pressuring you, attempting to condemn you by giving you scriptures out of context, misapplying scriptures to entice you to give one so that God can give you ten, nauseates me. Second Timothy 2, 17 and 18, Paul tells Timothy, and their message will spread like a cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Paul calls them out by name. When I do so, I do so after long examination and homework on it. Um, there are those who teach error out of sincere ignorance because they have not done good study, or perhaps they are following the same pattern of their denomination, and they kind of have to go along with their teaching. They're still responsible, but I understand it. But there are those who willfully twist the scriptures to their own destructions, and the people who want to correct them, they, they reject, they do not acknowledge them, and, and, and they are held to heavy accountability. Uh, Peter says that uh, 
some of the people were already twisting the scriptures of Paul in 2 Peter 3.16 to their own destruction. And these are men who know they're teaching error. These are people who know that they're working the people. Either by stacking the scriptures to support their view at the exclusion of the rest of the scripture, which is always dangerous, or ignoring context altogether, cleverly building an entire doctrine in a few verses, or a very uh, tweak study of word studies to twist them to mean what they don't mean. Now that's willful deception. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A workman does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's my responsibility from this pulpit. That's your responsibility from the pew as Acts 17.11 to examine, to find out if those things are so. They tell people, the Lord told me to tell you to give me $1,000 when in fact they're speaking out of their own greediness. Don't, don't laugh. I, I, I sat in meetings when we were first born again, new believers. We sat in this, um, this banquet hall in L.A. and... and, and they showed this whole thing, and then they closed the doors in the back. These usher, big old ushers, and they closed the door, and they said, okay, uh, we don't want nobody to leave right now, and we've got people at the door to make sure you don't leave, and they started plugging people for money. <laughs> and me and my brother got up and said, we're leaving, man. <laughs> Amazing. The end result is that people end up mimicking the leaders, and they end up doing the very same thing. Paul the Apostle demonstrates the heart of those who are serving God in 1 Thessalonians 2, 5, 6, and 13. Listen well. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is our witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because you, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word of God. Nothing but the word of God. Prophecy against the false prophets was because they spoke for God falsely. A serious matter that continues on today. Notice secondly, the judgment against the false prophet is given in verse 8. Through 16. 8 through 10, the judgment is declared to be certain. In verse 8, the declaration to the false prophets was in view of their sin. Notice, in view that they had spoken empty nonsense and lies, meaning they had no fear of God. In conclusion, God would demonstrate, notice in verse 8, that He was uh, not with them. And they were declaring, as they were declaring, but indeed against them. The judgment would be no accident. But the verdict of God by the direct hand of God, by the phrase, my hand will be against the prophets. My hand. Now God is going to deal with them directly. Their judgment would be threefold. Look at verse 9. They would be removed from the people of God, not be in the assembly of my people. Secondly, they would not be written in the genealogy and the book of life, the record of the house of God. And they would die in captivity, not enter the land of Israel. 
severe. Notice the end result being then that they would know that he was the Lord God. Uh, again, repeated 73 times in this book. Judgment would come, they would know. He was the Lord. Look at verse 10. Their crime was that they contradicted God's message of judgment. They had seduced his people, saying peace, when there was no peace. Everybody today is looking for peace. They're saying, oh, we're going to be... No. We're a bunch of sinners. Do you know how many years of war in relation to the years of peace we've had? Not even 3% of our time. <laughs> you go to a doctor and, and you, have, you, you have cancer and he says, oh, just take a couple of, uh, of aspirin. You'll be all right. You know, he's a quack. These guys were quacks, hucksters. Oh, you don't have to go to God. God's grace, God's loving. He created you. He's not going to send anybody to hell. Jeremiah 23, 17 says, They continually say to those who despise me, The Lord has said, You shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, No evil shall come upon you. That they are. Oh, fornication is not bad. You live with your girlfriend is not bad. Oh, it's okay. Wow. We're a progressive society. We've arrived. We're pancakes half done. That's what we are. Notice in verse 10, they led the people to conduct themselves as if there, were, there was not going to be any fall. Building a weak wall symbolic of the false hope of the false prophets that would hide the weakness by their lies. The people would build a wall and the false prophet would dab it with this untempered mortar whitewash. Ah, there, there. We're okay now. Verse 11, God using this metaphor of a weak wall to represent their false declarations of peace tells them the wall will fall by the tremendous storm God would bring. Certainly would include Nebuchadnezzar, symbolic of the flooding, the rain, the hailstorm, and the stormy wind. In verse 12, God stated that when the fall of Jerusalem came, people would confront them as, as to their prophecies of peace and the mortar which do have plastered. Where's where, where it at? What, what's up with that? In verse 13, God identifies himself as the one judging them by the metaphor. You cannot mistake it. Listen. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain, my anger. And great hailstorm in fury to consume it. He's the one in control. He's the one bringing judgment. And notice in verse 14, God repeats for emphasis that he would be the one to destroy the wall by his judgment of them. He would break down the wall to the ground, revealing the foundations, and they would be consumed in the midst of it. They would then know that what? He was the Lord Yahweh. And then God declares his purpose in the judgment in verse 15. Listen, to punish the guilty. Thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall and on those who plaster it with untempered mortar. Wow. And also to proclaim to them the fulfillment. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who plaster it. You won't cease, I'll put an end to you. The authorities from heaven 
He rules in heaven and he does as he will and no one can say to him, what are you doing, Daniel says. <laughs> Pastor Xavier Reese and proclaiming the truth. Now there's much more to come from this study next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of the message in its entirety and the title to ask for is Woe to the False Prophet. It's available on CD for only $4. Now just tell us which one you'd prefer when you get in touch. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. So once again, the title to ask for is Woe to the False Prophet, or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What's the problem with religion? That's coming up when you join Pastor Xavier Rees for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com